0: Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Oh, man. Leon Dreisaitl scored four goals and the owners still lost.
1: Hard to believe, Uh, eh? ago, It it is. I could count the number of games in my life, like I couldn't I couldn't individually, them, but I would bet you any money of all the many, many four-goal games I've seen in the lay, my life, you could count on one hand the number where that team lost the game, happened yeah. last night, happened tonight. Last night it was Joe Pavelski who was the hero for Dallas with four goals, and they lost five, four in overtime. And, Drysaddle got the four for the Oilers tonight, and they lost 6-4 in regulation, which, by the way, is their first regulation loss since March 10th. Mm. That's too harsh on them. It's been 21 games since the team beat them in regulation. And I would make the case that the team that beat them tonight was the Edmonton Oilers. They earned that.
0: this one themselves. You know, um, after the game, Dallas Aikens was giving a lot of credit to the Vegas defense. Mm-hmm. I also did note you know, how, how aggressive it was and, and fundamentally sound. And he, and I also did notice at times the Vegas four check taking mm-hmm. over. So Vegas um, is a really strong opponent. Um, and um, I felt like I picked the orders in five over the Kings, but the orders in six over Vegas. So I guess I felt going in that they would be a tougher opponent than L.A. just because they can score. They have more ability to to uh, score goals, manufacture goals, and their defense is better. Yeah, anyway, but as you say, Bruce, I agree with you. The Orders lost this one. They, they gave it away with uh, really bad mistakes, just a number of really bad mistakes defensively. It comes down to that, like just mm-hmm. some really terrible plays on defense by and it's not just a few players. It's a lot of players. Yep. So, um,
1: what were the grade A's tonight?
0: 12 to 10 for Edmonton, 12 grades, 12 grade A's for Edmonton, 10 for Vegas, and they scored five goals on 10 grade A shots. Vegas did have the edge in five alarm shots, the subset of 33 percenters, eight to six. So, Sturt Skinner did make some fantastic saves, just not enough of them. Just not enough of them. I thought he, he looked sharp at times, but man, he just needs to. Just make one more save, and uh, this game might turn out differently. this It's not really on him, though, this loss, uh, so much as on the, the mistakes of his of his other players on the ice. I think it's fair to say. Bruce, we'll go with uh, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, because it's a Euler's loss. We'll go with two bad things each. But what's your good thing? What are you going to start it off? Well, <laughs> the obvious, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, what else? I mean, I'm going to go with the, uh, Leon Dreisheier, uh who uh, scored all four goals for the Edmonton Oilers in this game two in the first period, two in the third, two on the power play, two at even strength. And uh, he did almost everything in his power to win this game. He only had five shots on net, but uh, four of them found the twine, a couple of executioner shots, and uh, uh, a very nifty uh, shot from below the goal line that he bounced off of Laurent Brassois's name bar and in with 10 seconds left. And what <clears throat> had been a pretty dreadful first period that sent Oilers into the locker room down just three to two. And also, um, he had, uh, uh, anyways, he, he was the uh, uh, the guy driving the bus on offense. How many grade eight shots was he involved in himself? Did you-
0: Well, uh, yeah, I have the total. Give me one second, Bruce. I will tell you in a second because the game grades are up. Um, Leon Dreisaitl. You know what? He was involved in six grade A shots. Uh, Three three at even strength and three on the power play. So he he manufactured a lot of... um, of goals on his six uh, major contributions. He was also he was also tagged with four major mistakes on grade A shots against. So mm-hmm. um, I couldn't give him a perfect game. I couldn't give him a 10 on this oh. one because um, he made some pretty major mistakes in the defensive slot um, throughout the game. It wasn't mm-hmm. like his last game, his near perfect game. Right. But um, he, sh- man, Bruce, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again. That executioner shot is amazing and i just thought when he got off that first shot i thought oh, it, on the power play you know first power play they score i just thought, okay the orders are rolling they're going to they're going to roll in this game and then a major mistake which we're going to get to later i think changed the tone of the game and, and um, just one thing led to another i don't know um, if that major mistake hadn't happened if we would have seen this outcome but it just got the orders rolling in the wrong direction anyway i agree with you just you know what a fantastic attacking hockey player, Leon Dreisaitl, is. He just, and he's just at the peak of his powers.
1: Yeah. <sighs>
0: My good thing. Um, I thought I could go with Connor McDavid. He, j- as the game went on, he just got super determined. And he, you know, in the third period, he was unrelenting in his efforts to win this game, almost single-handedly at that point, like he, with his partner Dreisaitl. Charging the net repeatedly, put one off the post. Um, he he was fantastic, but I I I'm gonna go with Matthias Eckholm, who I thought was the order's steadiest and most effective D-man by a country mile in this one, and he made um he got two assists. Uh, he won a battle leading up to uh, Drysaddle's second goal. Um, the second goal was the one that Drysaddle put in off. Um, off uh, Lorraine Bois- Brassois' back. Mm-hmm. And um, McDavid started that one off with this great cross seam, and then um, Eckholm won a battle and got it to Hyman. Hyman down to Drysaddle, and Drysaddle put it in. So that was his first, uh, one, of his, one of his strong plays. He also made a st- fantastic stretch pass to McDavid on um, Drysaddle's fourth goal. And um, that was also an executioner shot where they came charging up the ice. And then just a moment later, he made another great, uh, pass up the ice to send in and McDavid went in and almost scored. It was probably Edmonton's best chance um, after the fourth goal to, to score a little nurse's chance right at the, near the end of the game was also good when nurse came right in on net. But uh, McDavid's a much more dangerous goal scorer. And he went right into the slot off Ekholm's pass. I just think he's, he's, he's showing he's not perfect. He, he was one of the group that abandoned the, you know, that made ma- um, just major mistakes as, uh, with about five or six minutes left when Ve- Vegas got a two on no in front of the net and Carrier a pass to Marsha show, Marsa show, Marsha show. Um, but uh, other than that mistake, Bruce, he was, he was, he's playing a steadier game on defense than any other orders defenseman right now. Maybe Kulak's in this, in a similar category. They're both doing really well Eckholm faces tougher competition though.
1: Yep.
0: And um, he's More just steady. Too. Yeah. He, he's got a much harder job. But he's really moving the puck well. He's really defending well. He's been he's been the order's best defenseman, I think, in the playoffs. And tonight was his maybe his best game of the playoffs, but the his teammates didn't rise to that same level. Your bad thing, your first bad thing, Bruce.
1: Yeah. I hate to do this again because this guy remains one of my favorites, but I'm starting to become despondent that, uh, it's not working for him this postseason. That's, uh, Vincent Deharnay who had another very tough night tonight, and he's had, just, he had a tough time th- really throughout the King series, yeah. and tonight he made, uh, what we deem major mistakes on three Vegas goals. Yeah. And, uh, first one being just 40 seconds after Edmonton took the lead on a shift that was just a nothing shift. And this was a problem all night, nothing shifts turning into goals for Vegas. And this was one where uh, he he collected the puck. He came out from behind the left side of his net. He had a forward on the sidewall. He had the boards to use just to use a little ring-around pass to him, but he tried to go straight to the guy uh whoever the left winger was i can't even remember was it cost and there wasn't uh kane maybe i can't even remember the yeah kane was on the ice it would have been him and he shot it basically into the shin pads of the bank van, van uh, uh vegas forward who was um you know coming in to check him and because he didn't take the safe route with the puck it got coughed up right in the slot, chaos ensued, and finally puck came out uh, a little ways out and Ivan Barbashev absolutely buried uh, shot from the from the slot. And you know, just as a result of the chaos, it took two or three seconds after the turnover for the actual goal scoring shot to go in, but the Oilers never had a semblance of control of that chaos. And 40 seconds, that was the only lead of the game, and it was just gone in 40 seconds. This happened in the L.A. series as well, where they had a game where they had a lead for 18 seconds in the entire game. Anyway, this was, uh, uh, his His certainly was the major mistake on the play. I think it might have been the only one we we called on that one. Uh, Then on the uh, uh, 3-1 goal, Bring that one up. That was the short handed, the power play goal for for uh, Vegas. Yeah. And this was a play where Drysidel and McLeod went in two on one at the other end of the ice. Leon fed it over to McLeod and he completely whiffed on it. And then uh, uh, McLeod um, was part of the problem on the goal. But uh, uh, he was, uh, 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 Deharnay was. Uh, the, the first oiler back to the puck and he had a chance to you know move the puck around the boards i mean there was pressure and he just he never even touched the puck and eventually he lost that battle and the puck got dug out and uh, uh and that led to uh, a goal against and then the last one was the 4-3 goal and again a killer like a minute after edmonton tied it up like the very next shift again just like after the one nothing goal and uh, this was a kind of a weird play where DeHarnay got kind of sucked out of position covering a guy, and he decided to stick with this guy. I saw this play two or three times during the regular season, and I commented on it here at least once, where he, he, he's following a guy, and he follows him into the high slot, and then he never collapses back, but stays out of position and hopes someone else does his job. Well, in this case, he was playing left wing. Ryan McLeod, uh, one of the—I uh, don't know how to put this—but uh, uh, was the guy that was left basically covering the net shot as uh, net front as the last defenseman back, and he did a poor job of it, and he just let uh, Ivan Barbashev uh, get behind him and tip home the uh, uh, the point shot. But I mean, when your right defenseman is playing left wing and your center is playing right defense for you know seconds on end chances are pretty good you've done something wrong in the build-up to that and neither of them responded well to their temporary new positions and uh, boom nuge
0: also uh, slipped nuge on that play the shot. Yeah, yeah he slipped and let in the outside shot man nuge uh, anyway um the first goal especially was brutal because it just changed the tone of the game the complexion of the game it was a completely that. unforced error. He wasn't under a lot of pressure. He had an easy play to make up the boards, and he just he just gave it right away in in the defensive slot. And there's no recovering. like There's little recovering off a turnover like that. Players are scrambling, mm-hmm. and there's little anyone can do at that point. And um, I just wonder if this is one of those moments when it's time for Jay Woodcroft to make a coaching adjustment. Mm-hmm. I-, I think it is. I think we've seen... Two or three, uh, like this was a super iffy game. I think I think I mean he might have give I might have graded
1: a one on the one. a one in game four when this is a, I gave He him was a, burned for three goals in the first period of that game, and then he got benched. So I gave he had no a, comeback, right?
0: Yeah, I gave him a two in this one, and um, I just think um, Philip Broberg might be the better bet. I'm not sure uh, about that. Um, and they will miss de Harnay on the penalty kill if they if they don't they could keep him and they could keep going eleven seven though if they want. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be a good idea to do so just to just to match Vegas's tempo of their four lines, the orders might actually need four lines right now. and um uh, you know, they got burnt tonight was when the Anamark went out and then they were down to ten forwards, of course. but Yeah, that first goal against bruce it was just like i can't believe i couldn't believe what i was seeing it was so disheartening after dry settles and um you know the the mistake in the corner leading to the next goal wasn't as bad but the play on the on the uh fourth goal um you know i i understand like the idea of sticking with a man in the defensive zone like you but at some point And and we don't really know for sure the order system. Maybe the system is like when you're on a guy, stay with the guy, right? Maybe he's just following orders completely on that play. It could be that, Bruce. But I do think it's because I've also seen this. I know I have seen this. At some point, the defensemen say, okay, enough. Like this is the the guy I'm covering is over on the boards. He's not a threat to score. He's not doing anything. I'm going to now go back to my position, switch out to my position, back to the defense, back to cover the net. And I think if Darhane had done that after the first attempted outside shot, there might not have been a goal because he would have been on that player. McLeod just let him go. And I think Darhane, that's one of his strengths. He would have been on the player or he would have blocked the shot. He you know might not have gone in, but he just he, you know, it was like three steamboats too long out of position. And that's why the or maybe just maybe it was just one steamboat. It wasn't long, but it was enough that he made a, I think, a weak decision. And again, in saying that, I'm not completely sure of the order's defensive system. I and, and you know, there's probably some judgment calls to be made by the players within that system as well. But I, I just it just felt wrong, and it looked wrong for him to be out there and not moving back into the defensive slot. Because I'm sure all season long, I've seen defenders um, leave the player if he gets if he's not in a, enough scoring position to go to go cover the house man, go cover the defensive slot. This is what we compl- I complained about. I think maybe you a little bit less, all series against the Kings. Whenever the Oilers abandon the defensive slot, especially with their defensemen, um, they run into this kind of trouble. And um, this brings me to my first bad thing, which was the second goal against. And um, um, this is a... Cody Cece has the puck at the point. He gets the puck into the in, in the offensive end and he puts it into the slot where it's picked off. Now, uh, Cody, it's uh, he did his job of getting the puck deep enough, and it's essentially for a second it's kind of a three on two, but Leon Drysaddle is cruising back hard initially, and it's and it's and it's a three on three, but when, when it's still a three on two. Uh, um, kind of moment, Darnell Nurse decides to charge up the ice when when he doesn't really have a strong play on the puck. Mm -hmm. Because I was thinking, well, you know, if he has a strong play on the puck, you do want to try to break it up. But he didn't. You know, when you look at it again, it was, he just, he, he, it wasn't a 50-50 play for Darnell. It was like a 30-70 play or 20-80 play winning that puck battle at center ice. So he charges up the ice and then he's out of position. And um, it still might not be a goal. But Leon um, Dreisidel kind of stopped skating on his back check and is just a hair behind picking off that pass. You know, he just didn't follow through. He didn't go cover that guy. He didn't get on the guy. Um, I think the shooter was modio, if I'm not mistaken, on that one. And he just didn't get on him. And so the two, again, assistant captains of the team um, with with uh, mental errors, essentially. Dreisidel giving up on the back check. Darnell Nurse getting out of position again, take, you know, making a risky play when he didn't need to make a risky play. If he had just hung back, Leon was charging back, and it would have been a three-on-three three rush. But he made it into a much more just dangerous situation than he needed to. And again, we saw this earlier in, this, in the uh, King series with um, with Nurse. Now, the difference in this game was that was Leon. That was Darnell Nurse's only major mistake that I saw. He I thought he other he I thought he really battled hard this game. He he led the team with seven shots. He had six hits. So wow. um he 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 was in the trenches battling hard all game long. And 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 I gave him a six in the game because I, I would have <sighs> seven otherwise. I thought mm-hmm. he had a good game, except for that one play. But that one play and that one moment, it's just this moment. It happens. Yeah. Boom, you're done. That's how brittle hockey is. And um, the cost is large for the small mistake. And, man, that is the story of this game, small mm-hmm. mistakes.
1: Are mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, most of them shot. are, like I say, they were nothing plays. And then all of a sudden there's some Vegas guy with the puck in the slot and boom. Even that anyway. one, it
0: was, like that one was kind of a, like it wasn't that dangerous a play.
1: It looked like a three on three. And
0: yeah. Okay, what's your second N- bad Nurse thing?
1: came closest of any Oiler to tying it in the late going, too, with their really good sure chance on a partial breakaway yep. and then they couldn't get a damn whistle for the 5 minutes straight the play was i was saying to my wife that they should go intentionally go offside just to get a whistle get the tv timeout that never happened really then they've got another timeout and by the time they got the whistle, they got it in the worst way possible by taking an insane too many men in the ice penalty with a minute to go. That, wow, that, that
0: was Darnell. Or, that was actually Darnell well, who, took, who got out of the ice it too early. He did, Bruce. I mean, that's what the yeah. replay shows.
1: Well, there's a rule for when they pull the goalie that if the guy comes out too early, they just blow the whistle and have a face off of center ice for early substitution for the goalkeeper. It's a very specific rule. I didn't call that anyway. But
0: But it wasn't for the goalie. It whatever, was for it was, home
1: it was, okay. yeah, it was a mess. It was a mess, okay. so.
0: Okay, what is your um, <coughs> second second bad thing, Amando Bruce?
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to single out, uh, I mean, I've already kind of had my say about the bad goals right after Orner's goals. First one, 40 seconds. Second one, 61 seconds, followed by... Another one, 50 seconds after that, so they tied it, and then they were within two minutes down by two. Anyway, instead, I'm just going to single out the guy that's been really disappointing to me, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Another one of my favorite players, and he had a great season, and all season long, we were talking, praising about how he was uh, getting in there and winning a lot of battles, and, you know... did if he won a battle in this game? I'm not sure I saw it. He,
0: he did. He it, there was a play in the corner where he bodied. I think it was or so, off the puck hard. Oh yeah. And
1: won the okay. puck. Okay. Well, then there's one. Uh, what I can tell you for <laughs> sure is he had zero shots on goal. In a you know kind of a loosey goosey wide open game, uh, playing with you know pretty good line mates. Uh, started the game playing with uh, you know the boys, and he played. Uh, uh, you know, his most frequent line mates were Kane, Yamamoto, Hyman, McDavid. Uh, you know, those are pretty good players and just couldn't really generate anything. I don't know if he was in on grade A shots. Maybe he did something away from the puck or something. You know, he was okay on the penalty kill. But I just think there's just a lot more for that player to give. And we're just not we're just not seeing it right now. And we are uh, I mean, we he are was not. far from, what's that?
0: We are not, I'm agreeing with you. I'm giving right. you an amen there, Bruce. Like that is, he's just, what is wrong with him, man? Like he's, yeah. he is not, he is not effectual. <laughs> he is mm-hmm. the opposite of effectual.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, it's just, it's a little bit disheartening Um, because we've seen him fade at other times and even strengthen other seasons. And he's, but he's, he got it going this year. He's got to find oh. a way.
1: Got to find that magic going again. Anyway, he was hardly alone among the forwards. All of Warren Fogle, Kyler Yamamoto, and uh, Ryan McLeod had zero shots on net, uh, as did Nugent Hopkins, but in 20 minutes of ice time. And just didn't seem to have the, you know, the, the, the play... Like the orders got out shots sp- seven four outscored one nothing when he was on the ice they just lost his part of the game and part of the reason was he didn't have a good game.
0: My second bad thing is I could go with the fourth goal against. You see, I'm sneaking in extra bad things here. Uh, Evan Bouchard came on the ice and was way out of the play. He just was in no. he was in the uh, what one. we call the red light. That's fifth goal. You're mm-hmm. right. The red light zone where he's not covering anyone, he's not covering the passing lane, he's not covering a shot. And so the Vegas player is wide open for a shot. And again, it's another nothing freaking play. Mm-hmm. It turns into a goal. That oh. is very frustrating, Bruce. But yeah. I will go with this instead. Derek Ryan's absence was a really bad thing, and it's and it is funny to say that, right? Because, but maybe it's not at this point, considering the the last forty games and the playoffs that guy has had. Uh, Bob Stauffer was suggesting on Oilers now that Derek Ryan has definitely earned another contract for next year. I agree with mm-hmm. that. He, cool. he has been playing, you know, and it's like the Oilers lost their brain, you know, because he is he is such a smart hockey yeah, player. Sure is. He he just is in the right spot at the right time, making the right play consistently. And with him on a checking line, I think that's a, it's a different team. Like with him on that third line. Uh, he makes it go. He makes he makes it smart, and um, just, just the orders just played. Let's face it, they played dumb hockey tonight, and it cost them the game. And uh, you lose maybe your smartest, one of your smartest hockey IQ players. I mean, there's lots of really smart hockey IQ players on the orders, many many of them. But but Ryan certainly is one of them, and his absence was felt. So he was out with a uh, sickness, I guess. Hopefully, it's mm-hmm. short short term, short lived. And he'll be right back at it. Fortunately, there's an extra day off, I guess, between the next game and uh, this game. It's not till Saturday, so that benefits the orders probably with Ryan um, being sick. And uh, I, he'll he'll definitely back, be back in. Poor Matthias Janmark, who, who went in for him, took a weird. Fall into the boards similar to a fall I took, well, public skating earlier this year, <laughs> eight months ago, and my shoulder still is sprained, partially mm-hmm. sprained because of it. Uh, I hope he's, I, I don't think it was his shoulder. It looked like it I was his the back head. Of his head. Yeah, concussion maybe, and it, he looked really woozy. So that was very frightening and uh, an extremely tough play.
1: So, so um, weird. Yeah, he, like, it looked like he stumbled. It looked like he regained his balance and all of a sudden he just launched. He Caught a rut, maybe, I don't know, and he just launched and went yeah. flying completely out of control into the boards. And it's all 17,000 or whatever fans were saying, blow the whistle, it seemed like. And uh, everybody noticed it, but the refs, <laughs> I think TD Force actually ran out onto the ice while the play was in progress. I mean, the player hits his head, stop the game, right? Stop the game if the guy hit his head in the game, then that's, that's, you know, don't wait for, I mean, Oilers even had the puck during some of that time. And anyway, I don't suppose it mattered in the end that it was five seconds late getting to him, but it could matter.
0: Yeah, it was just one of the many...
1: Anyway, Ryan, which I'm not sure if it was made clear on the broadcast because I I missed some of the commentary because I'm always going back and reviewing scoring chances, that Ryan was ill, he missed the morning skate, and then he missed the game. But it was an illness, it's not an injury, and hopefully it's one of those 24-hour jobs that uh, he's back because they're going to need him on Saturday, especially if Janmark is out, which he may well be. Bruce? Your number. My number is thirty-nine and seven, and the seven is the seven straight uh, games the Oilers have lost in Game One of playoff series, which covers the entirety of the Ken Holland reign here in Edmonton with a couple of different coaches. Uh, They lost six-four in a defensive mess. In, to Chicago in Game 1 during the bubble play-ins of uh, 2020. Uh, they lost 4-1 to Winnipeg in Game 1 in 2021. A couple empty net goals. That wasn't a terrible defensive game. They just couldn't score that time. Uh, last year, they lost 4-3 in the first game to Los Angeles in a sloppy game. They lost 9-6 in game one to Calgary last year, where they scored six goals and didn't even come close to winning that game, another defensive crap show, start to finish. That one, they lost six five in the first game to Colorado, uh, in a game where they, you know, they had every, they kept scoring to get themselves back in the game, but they couldn't, they couldn't keep them out of their own net. And now this year they've lost 4-3 in the first series against L.A. And now 6-4 in the first game against uh, Vegas. So, you know, that's seven straight games won where they've given up at least four goals in every game. Well, you want to know why they lost those games? Because they gave up at least four goals in every game. And the goals that they scored, which let me do the math here, that's uh, 4 And one is five, and three is eight, and six is 14, and five is 19, and three is 22, and four is 26 goals in seven games. You should be able to win at least one of those games. You're averaging four goals a game, but your defense is such crap that (laughs) you're not coming away with any results. It's like they have to lose a game to sort of get their attention. Say, oh, maybe we should try checking these guys. and. You know, getting the puck out of our own end, you know, making some saves, you know, some of these sort of things that generally hockey teams do. Well, whatever happens in game one, they always stink out because they've lost seven straight. And by a combined score of 39 to 27, right, 66 total goals, almost 10 per game, just never have come out and played a controlled first game, whether it's in their barn or somebody else's, as in this case. And so that's my number.
0: I'm not sure in this entire playoffs yet, Bruce. They beat LA, but I'm not sure they've yet found their A game, the Oilers.
1: For a period um, or two here and there. Yeah, but they I don't haven't think played played a full sixty.
0: They have not, and um, they've got to find that in this series.
1: Game two they, would be a good plan.
0: Game two, next game would be a nice moment to okay. find it, and we'll we'll find out if they do. But um, they certainly have to find it in this series. It's time.
1: The orders are three and six in those series. They're three out of four under Jay Woodcroft, where they lost game one and still came back to win the series. Sure. But uh, in all the cases where they had any success at all, they won game two. And so that's what they need.
0: Bruce, um, my, my number is around Leon settles incredible uh, one-timer shooting. And um, so... We've been tracking actually the type of shots um, for four years now before we just used to track whether it was a grade A shot or not. And, and since that time, we've started to see if it's a tip or a regular shot or, or a jam shot or a one-timer shot. And we started this, this particular aspect of our scoring grade A shot project because of Leon Dreisaitl. We wanted to find out, is his scoring sustainable? You know, can he keep shooting in pucks at a high level? And what what is his uh, scoring rate on these one-timer shots? Because he his generally he shoots about a 20% range um, on all his shots. But his one-timer shots, so we've been tracking it for four years now, and in that time he's played 319 games, and he has um, fired off a total of 247 one-timer shots in those games on net. There's been more that have been off net, but on net, 247 um, in 319 games, so 0.77 per per game, 0.8 per game, and he's scored on 36% of them, on average, 36%. So this year in the playoffs, in his seven games, um, he's had he's had 10 of those shots, so he's at 1.43 um, one-timers per game. And uh, he's got six goals on them. So he's shooting at 60% this playoff season. And so you could say, um, well, Leon's just having super puck luck, um, which is, you know, which is how this whole thing started with this idea that Leon Dresdale has super puck luck. Mm -hmm. That could be the case. But five years later, five years later yeah, you start to wonder, like there's something about the owner's power play. I wonder what that is. There's you know about their high their high success rate. This guy is a machine, and I wouldn't put it past him to go through a playoffs putting in draining half of those one timer mm-hmm. shots. They are so effective. They are so deadly. Mm-hmm. and um, he is just so effective at them. Tonight, he scored uh, two of his four goals on on those particular kinds of shots. So, um, the 60% man on the executioner shot so far in the playoffs. May he keep up his good work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's had over the last uh, five years now, uh, 50, 43, 31 in the 56 game season, 55 and 52 goals for a total of uh, 231 goals in 369 games, basically 50 goals a year if they played the full years he would easily have that. Uh, and His shooting percentages have been 21.6, 19.7, 18.5, 19.8, 21.1 for a net 20.2% over a five-year span. Now, I would make the case that that has proven to be sustainable. Even if you look at the first year of that and you say, well, he's not going to do that again. It's true. He's never quite got to 21.6 again, but he's been right around it, just under it every year since. And it's... uh, become very consistent he takes very high percentage shots he doesn't waste outside shots and when he does get dangerous ones in close his chance of uh, finishing the job is uh, very high indeed
0: you know one interesting thing though Bruce I would suggest that like like some of the guys who have high shooting percentages are those guys who play right in front of the net mm-hmm. like Thomas Holmstrom in the past or Zach Hyman you know I don't know what his shooting percentage was this year but he might be that style of player at least because they're just right there, and all their shots come from uh, from right there. But um, Drysill does take a lot of outside shots from good distance, and uh, he still has so his overall shooting percentage in the playoffs this year. Is, and then on the one timers again, it's sixty uh, percent. So he's having quite a quite a run. Well, Bruce, I guess we can hope for better things. Uh, we mm-hmm. will hope for better things in the next game. What Do you have any thoughts on that? Let's say everyone's
1: healthy. Uh, I, our, I, here, here's my hope for better things. I hope for better things from the Vegas Golden Knights than this. Here are the three stars from tonight's game as announced and awarded by the VGK Media. Boy, I wonder who they're rooting for. David, first star uh, Ivan Barbashev from VGK who had a very fine game with two goals. Second star Chandler Stevenson of VGK who also had a fine game. Third star Mike Mark Stone of VGK. Seriously? Seriously, all three stars were Vegas Golden Knights on a night that one of their opponents scored four goals. Hello, I mean cool. show They're a little cool. bit of integrity there, people. I mean seriously, that's just embarrassing. We could be upset
0: about that or we give them applause for a brilliant troll job, Bruce.
1: Well, it's a troll. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm total, enough of a traditionalist. Yeah, I like care it. about stupid shit like the three stars and game winning goals and goalie wins and plus minus all of it. Right. So yeah. and who wins a lady being all of it. It's just part of the part of the uh, narrative of the game. Well, oh, geez, I mean, pay it a little bit of respect. Pay your opponents a little bit of respect. I mean, that's that's just sad. <laughs> yes, I know it means nothing, but it's still sad.
0: In Indeed, it is. I'm not that sad, but um, maybe I'm not as traditional as you are on, on these matters. <laughs>
1: Molson well, uh, Cup, man, that's a big deal. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta give these guys their points when they, when they uh, earn them. I mean, if you say a guy scored four and he didn't earn them because his team lost, I mean,
0: do they still call it the uh, Molson
1: Cup? Is it still a? They still have a Molson Cup in the Canadian cities during the season. Every month, I was at a couple Whoa. of them this year. Every month, they give out the little trophy and they award a thousand dollars to the charity of the guys' trophy. Uh, remember that? Yeah, I. And it's been I, since '79. Well. Gretzky used to that. win it every single month. He'd just pack up the three-star awards and, and just run away with it. But uh, anyway, and they counted home and road games in terms of the three stars, but I guess there used to be more integrity to the process than there remains in the 2020s when it's all about the home team and not the hockey game.
0: We shall see what happens next, Bruce. The orders have obviously got to tighten it up on defence. I personally would put go with 12 forwards and 60, and I would sit to Harney next game. Stick with Stu Skinner and Net, and um, see what happens.
1: Yeah, well, one thing we know is that the coaching staff is now well-armed with some instructional video material that they can uh, employ over the next three days to get the attention of some of their players, because there were some pretty fundamental uh, mistakes being made in this game. And this was a game, you know, enough goals were scored to, to comfortably win this game. And I blew it by inattention to detail and, you know, that's just not really acceptable. And I'm sure that they will hear that in no uncertain terms behind closed doors. Woody will come out and he'll smile and do his thing in front of the media, but uh, they're going to get the gears and they're going to deserve it tomorrow. I mean, if you want to win this series, you got to play a hell of a lot more disciplined and smart than they showed tonight. And... Uh, They can. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. Uh, You know, they will, I I think, come back. But uh, uh, they got a ways to go based on that showing.
0: Indeed. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.